This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. And welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr. And today I'm joined by Deb Fitzgerald, our editor here at the Peninsula Pulse. Deb, thanks for hopping on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Miles. You have had a crazy week and your week just gets a little crazier this afternoon. So we're squeezing this in when we can here. And yes. Andrew is not here today because we've buried him in other work. Right. He has, uh, what, 10 publications to do in two days? Yeah, the, the thing about the Pulse here is a lot of people think the off-season is downtime for us as well and it, it really isn't and it actually we're hitting kind of the biggest crunch of our year in a lot of ways with a bunch of magazines prepping to go out and you know just prepping a lot of stuff for the summer and special issues along with the weekly paper and then you get stuff like what happened this week with the fire at butch's mm. so we're going to talk about the tragedy really is, is how we should say that down at, at butch's bar in sturgeon bay later in this episode but there's a couple of other things we're going to touch on first before we come back to that let's start with a you know, what for some people might be a pretty exciting thing, some people maybe not, depending on their view in Door County, is uh, getting a Starbucks in Sturgeon Bay, it looks like. It kind of looks like that. We're at the very, <laughs> very, very conceptual stages of it, but it does seem that that is at least on the drawing board. So tell me what this is. Okay. So it is a three-unit building that would be going where Walt's Corner Pub is okay. right now. So I can't remember. I think it was last year when we learned that the restaurant closed. Mm -hmm. And apparently it's been for sale for even longer than when it closed. But it closed and everybody wanted to know what's happening with it. Yeah, when something closes in Door County... The speculation begins. Yes. Is it going to be a Walmart? Is it yes. a Walgreens? Like well, people are hoping that it was going to be the second quick trip. Yeah. Because they <laughs> yeah, are the first one. Yeah, that was the big one. thing for Yes, they are the first one going on the east side. And so, you know, people really are clamoring for something like that on the west side because they just don't have that on the west side. Except for the other two gas stations. Down. Oh, actually, oh, right. two of those gas stations are closed down the road now. I know. All boarded up. But yes. there is that other gas station a little bit further out, but mm -hmm. they always need a bigger and better gas station. Yes. They were hoping it was a quick trip, I think some people, but it looks like it's going to be a Starbucks. At least that is conceptually what's happening. Okay. So the developer has brought conceptual plans to the city. I'm sorry, the city community development. So community development, city of Sturgeon Bay, developer brings conceptual plans and says, hey, this is what we're looking at. What would we need to, you know, what kinds of requirements do you have? What, you know, kinds of approvals do we have to go through? That kind of thing. So that is at the stage that they are. Okay. And so those conceptual plans show that it would be three units and it would be anchored by a Starbucks. They know nothing else about the other two tenants. When they come up with the preliminary plans, that will be the actual official submission. And that could be going to the plan committee. <laughs> or they don't really know yet because it would have a drive-through, which would require it to go to a planning committee. But the city may be changing its codes to eliminate that. So if it were to come in after that, then they would just need to go to one public committee in order okay. to get approval. So that's the reason I go through it because sometimes these projects don't have, I mean, 
they don't have to go to the Sturgeon Bay Common Council. Yeah, there's a, a lot of stuff you can just do. Yes. Basically pull a permit and, and Right, go. exactly. And so that's what this would entail. And so people really don't find out about it until after the right. fact because there's been no public hearing because they're not required. So here there may be one. And if not, it always goes through the Aesthetic Design and Site Plan Review Committee that the mm-hmm. city has. But, you know, then again, that's one of those committees that is probably the most important one to watch Mm -hmm. and yet the least watched, which is kind of interesting. So, well, in this particular story, because this this rumor has circulated a little bit over time and I've heard Starbucks rumors in Sturgeon Bay before. And then this comes out. One of the city councilmen, Spencer Gustafson, put a post out there. So then we follow up and you find out it's at this very preliminary phase. This is a stage that I... And Spencer finds out from the mayor. Sorry to interrupt. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) So the mayor releases it for, you know, during another public... Okay, we didn't didn't throw Spencer under the bus. Yeah, no, we didn't. (laughs) But it's at a stage that... I kind of hate reporting on stuff at this point because there's a lot that you don't know. And even the the city council or the city employees, a lot of times are like, well, this is very early. They don't want to say a lot because, you know, the developer doesn't quite know what they're going to propose yet Mm. because they're trying to vet what do I need to come to you with. But as reporters, we want to get it out there when people can still weigh in on a topic, not after the fact. So it's just as a reporter, it always stinks to not be able to say with authority what what you know. Right. Well, definitely. And. And you know, it's it's completely different now because it can go out on so many different platforms mm-hmm. and so many different people can get that information. And because we are the local newspaper, they expect us to have that information as well. So instead of, you know, sitting on that kind of stuff, you are going to try and get it as quickly as you can, not for a publication, but just on social media. But yes, it is dangerous at times because you don't know really what's going to happen if it hasn't officially started yet. But this is pretty clear that the developer has come. It's going to move forward. It's going to move forward. Well, I say that. I say that. But I mean, this developer actually came to the city last fall first and backed off. You know, I think probably a lot of development projects have started and then stopped due to supply chain issues, due to labor issues. And so now the developer is moving forward again. So, well, that would be right down the street from the Destination Door County Visitor Center, which yes. nothing says welcome to Door County like Arby's, Starbucks, and Walgreens <laughs> right in a row, and a lumber yard. So maybe. <laughs> it sounds to me, Miles, like you don't like that idea. I just think it's, I'd plant some trees around there if, yes. I, if it were me, but everyone knows I would plant trees everywhere. Right. Um, maybe put some cherry trees down the median right there to at least soften the blow of nothing but chains as you come into Door County. You know, you've mentioned that a couple of times. I think that's an excellent idea. I mean, what about the cherry trees that they have at Washington, D.C.? Yeah. Those are absolutely beautiful in the springtime. And so because Door County is known for cherries, I think that is a wonderful idea. You could do that all down that corridor from Naswapi. It's like, okay, you, mm. you know you don't have zoning and that's Naswapi's choice. And you can put up the billboards and everything, but now you have to soften it and all these pole buildings. You just have to put something pretty in front of them as yes. people show up. Right. That's, I, I that's agree with thing. that. Well, what as of right now, what's the next step in Starbucks just to wrap this one up? They are thinking that the developer could be presenting preliminary plans in time for the plan committee's March 30 meeting, but they're not quite sure. But it will be coming up at, you know, some public meeting in (laughs) the future. Yes. And and just, I should clarify, the location of that, that intersection, it's Highway 42 and is that Nina? 
Duluth. Duluth. Yes. Sorry. So it's South Duluth Avenue. It's the turnoff to the Justice Center. You know, pretty busy intersection. Yeah, that's the Lamperts. Then they have the car dealership and Walgreens down those four corners. Yes, so. right there. So it is still for sale. So if people look at it, apparently it's not. That's not going to go through until after this whole process is done. Okay. Moving along. Yes. The, the, we have a couple of stories related to kind of state legislature topics. There has been a story we've been batting around in this office, and you've seen some comments on social media about it regarding kind of shoreline zoning and the high water mark. Mm-hmm. And could you tell me what this is all about? This is something that kind of came out of nowhere for my mind. Yeah, sure. I mean, and a lot of things seem to do that during the last couple of weeks before, you know, one of the final floor hearings in the legislature. So that's what's happening. Like all of these things are kind of bunched up together and everybody's trying to get them out of committee and get them to the floor to be heard. So Mm -hmm. they suddenly arise. And uh, this one did a couple of weeks ago. So we will have a story on it in next week's paper. But it basically is a Senate bill and its companion bill. They've now been heard before committee and there are amendments done to them. But in a nutshell, (laughs) it would allow a municipality to draw a shoreline and have the DNR stamp that as the new shoreline. And then anything above that would be able to be developed by whoever owns that land. So if we were to bring that home, an example of that would be the legal battle that happened in Sturgeon Bay when a developer wanted to put up a hotel and a group of people got together and said, hey, we don't want a hotel. And guess what? This is below the ordinary high water mark. Mm -hmm. So that legislation was in favor of the citizens And so the hotel did not get built and the ordinary high watermark was then established, negotiated between the city actually and this group of litigants. So what this would do, this legislation... And just to clarify for those listening... She is indeed talking about the West Waterfront next to the Door County Maritime Museum, which we have covered a lot on this podcast. So longtime listeners know all about it. But just for the new listeners out there, there was a a long battle over a, a hotel on that West Waterfront parcel that is now where... The granary has returned to its original location and one barrel will eventually open a tap room and cafe on that parcel. Yeah, right. A plaza public space kind of thing. So this legislation would remove that responsibility. Right now, it's in the Wisconsin Constitution that through the Wisconsin Public Trust Doctrine, that anything below the ordinary high watermark is owned by the people of Wisconsin. So nothing can be done to it. Nobody can sell it. It's ours. Mm -hmm. And so that's why the notion, for instance, of like private beaches in Wisconsin, you know, if you are in Jacksonport and they have those signs, so you're kind of confined in between those two signs. You can't go beyond this point. Well, you actually can go beyond yeah. that point. Basically, you can go wherever your feet get wet. Exactly. Well, or not even wet anymore. And so, see, that is the, that's the thing here. A lot of the shoreline has changed. Mm-hmm. They use an historic you know, survey map that was done before Wisconsin was even a state. So that historic map is what determined you know, the shorelines. And so what happened... By human and natural means, that shoreline is either filled or it has been developed. 
and it's just been dry and a piece of land for as long as anybody knows. So a lot of cities are very much in favor of this legislation simply because it would allow them to utilize parcels that they can't use right now. Sure. But then a lot of people are really upset about this legislation because it would remove the DNR's constitutional responsibility, as they see it, to enforce the Wisconsin's public trust doctrine. Any idea where the DNR sits on this one? Yes, actually, the DNR gave a, a letter of testimony during one of the hearings, and they have basically conceded that there needs to be some kind of change. Okay. Even the, the advocates, the environmental groups that I spoke with, even they have agreed that, you know, there are, some of this is kind of ludicrous, actually. <laughs> it's kind of absurd. I mean, these places have been dry for, you know, a hundred years. Yeah. And yet still it's considered the, or, you know, below the ordinary high watermark. So the DNR, said, stated in its letter that it does see that there needs to be changes, but they really did want amendments and more language that protected that public trust doctrine. Okay. So they look like they would be up for, you know, some kind of legislation, but I don't know what that would look like. In covering the the West Waterfront story, the DNR really seemed to go really slow on that one. Mm. And in terms of declaring that high watermark, and it seemed... It seemed like they want to be left out of that. <laughs> they don't yeah. want to be part of this debate of figuring this out. It takes a lot of research, takes a lot of digging, and then you're sort of taking a stab at it. Yeah, there's no science for it. Yeah, I could see them saying, like, I'd rather not be thrust with this responsibility on my plate. So Sure. And even with Sturgeon Bay, I mean, that one ended up being negotiated. So yeah. it's not even like it's a real thing. It's like yeah. what I agree with, what we both agree with, both of the battling parties. And so the DNR in the middle is just like, okay, that's where it is. I mean, that's, that is how arbitrary it kind of seems. So that arbitrariness does, you know, even people who do not want these bills to pass, they believe that, you know, some improvements, you know, could be made to the system, but yeah. not this legislation. Because it was, it was muddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I saw that. No pun intended there, but. <laughs> so where does this one sit now? Have well, they've both had hearings and they've both had, I mean, when I say both, I mean the Senate version and the Assembly version. Which they then will probably merge into. Well, and they both have amendments and the amendments are exactly the same. So the bills are not far apart, but everything was, I believe yesterday was the last day for floor hearings for, okay. for these bills. So I will have that, you know, update of where it is. It still would need to be signed by Governor Evers. And since the DNR was open to you know, some changes. Nobody really knows what his office would do with these bills if they mm. made it to his desk. All right. Well, we'll keep you informed on that. Look for a, a bigger story in next week's Pulse. Now, I've just tied you to finishing that story next week now. <laughs> yeah, right. No kidding. I mean, it's been, it's, like Now yeah. we've got to find space. <laughs> but you're working on a piece of, uh, I mean, something that happened in the legislature, you're going to have a story on for next week too. Yeah, a couple things. When we talked about the town of Gibraltar's efforts to get a TIF district in our last podcast, Joel Kitchens had worked with the town of Gibraltar pushing for that legislation, but he had also been working not so much on legislation, but on twisting some arms down mm -hmm. in Madison regarding the purchase of Pebble Beach up in Sister Bay. 
for listeners who can't quite remember how that all went down, the Pebble Beach property came up for sale and there were some proposals to subdivide that and put some condominiums there. Pebble Mm. Beach is not the famous golf course, but the much more important beach in Sister Bay, Wisconsin. Where you can't take the pebbles off the beach. Where you cannot take the pebbles right? With, without getting stoned by locals with those pebbles. <laughs> so in the, the village, to try and save that, they tried to purchase the 600 feet of shoreline in a kind of complicated agreement with the Door County Land Trust, where the land trust got a million dollar grant, and then the they raised $500,000, and then the village committed to being on the hook for about a million more. And they were taking the risk of saying, we have to get this done and we have to get it done fast to be able to use that, that other grant that was available. So they said, we think we're going to get Nose Nelson funding for this. We think we would qualify. We think this is a good project, but we, we don't know for sure, but we're, we feel pretty good about that. We're going to go ahead with this purchase and bank on getting that funding later. Hmm. And so they were taking a, the village was taking a million dollar risk in, in moving forward with this at the time. And they've been waiting over two years now to find out the result of that Knowles Nelson application. And in between there, they had to refund that stewardship fund. It did, didn't it run out like in 2020? Well, and so they had to, that probably added a year, I'm thinking, or even more. Yeah, because the Knowles Nelson Stewardship Fund, usually it used to be renewed on a 10-year basis yeah. and be fully funded. And then multiple times, uh, and this is not to be partisan, but the Republicans in the legislature have, there have been many who have fought to cut that program either entirely or drastically. So it, it's been under threat a couple times over the years. The Knowles Nelson Stewardship Fund, for those who are not totally familiar, is a fund that has been really beneficial for Door County over the years in helping support land trust purchases and helping support public purchases by municipalities around the county. It's one of the ways that we've increased a lot of shoreline access. So you know, it's, it's got a lot of advocates for it here in Door County. So with this delayed for a couple of years, Sister Bay at one point was told they were denied, but they don't get told why. It's mm. a, a weird thing. What happens with the Knowles Nelson funding is the DNR, and I was just getting clarity on this from Joel Kitchens earlier today, the DNR decides they take their lot of money and they get to all their applications and they kind of split up the money for these different projects. And they say, yeah, this is, this is good. We're going to approve this. And they had done that with the one for Pebble Beach. But then it goes to the Joint Finance Committee, and if nobody objects to those particular projects, then it just goes through. But then if somebody does object, it just stalls. And that's what happened with both Sister Bay and the Village of Egg Harbor with their beach expansion project. They had applied for funds. And if you apply for less than $250,000, it doesn't have to go to the Joint Finance Committee. If you apply for anything over that, they can object to it. And that's what happened in this case. But they don't tell you who objected, and they don't tell you why they objected. So Sister Bay just gets a no, and they're like, what What do we do? And they, so they try to strengthen their case, and they kept getting told like, that wasn't going anywhere. There's no public hearing. There's no chance to defend yourself or advocate for it. It's a really weird, you know, as Joel Kitchens told me, he said, it's a crappy system. Mm. And he said, I don't really know why it works that way. And it opens it up to just being entirely political. Entirely political or just stubborn. You know, mm-hmm. there are legislators who just don't like the Knowles Nelson program Mm -hmm. and we'll just try and gum up the wheels of of progress on it. Mm. So to Joel Kitchen's credit, he did, he called around, he found out who was objecting to this one and twisted their arms, told them more about the project. Cause as Joel told me, because if anything seems like a good fit for the Knowles Nelson fund, it it would be that particular project. So it doesn't make sense to to say no. And he said, after talking to some of them, there was one particular Senator who, who really didn't know anything about the project, just said no. 
just because he wants to say no. So that's where the stubbornness comes in. And they eventually reached a compromise. So they got about half the funding they were looking for. They got $392,000. So it's a big win for Sister Bay because now that brings down that purchase cost for that 600 feet of shoreline, probably one of the most beautiful spots in Door County, for $600,000. That's what they have left, That's right? what they. That's what the village is on the hook for. Okay. Total. Total. Okay. They've still been looking to try and get some donations to help offset that. Kind of hard to do after the fact. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, it's a... It was a bold move by the village at the time. A lot of people thought there was no way that the village would come up with the, the kind of money. But by working with the land trust and collaborating, <laughs> a word that mm. has been thrown around a lot lately in the county, mm-hmm. but they, they managed to get it done. Okay. And now the public has access. And probably more important now that we've seen what happened with Little Sister Resort and Fred and Fuzzies right next door to it, that is now private. So there is no public chance to go and use that property. So For the Pebble Beach portion of it when did that opened already though to the public right okay so when did that open technically like i've been going there since i've forever right (laughs) trespassing on somebody else's property well is it trespassing though if the shoreline is (laughs) (laughs) and you know it had reached a point where the people who actually owned it were kind of sick of cleaning up after everybody and also just having their land used and paying taxes on it without any development potential or anything. And, and th- that property had gone passed down through a couple of generations. So as it spreads out more to multiple owners, there's other, you know, some people are just like, well, I just want to cash out on this. I don't want, want to pay the taxes on it. So people had kind of, it was quasi public. And by the end, they had said they had put up a no trespassing sign. And, oh. stuff, and you were supposed to stay on just the tiny little public access portion of it. Okay. So it's officially been public for a couple of years now. Okay. And, and what do they plan to do with it? in the future like leave it just leave it in its condition for people Um, to enjoy i mean it's not a beach beach they call it pebble beach but is it it is not like a recreational here's a playground here's all this stuff to do it's it's mainly there for you know the the most it will probably get developed is they've added some parking to appease uh, some of the congestion down there and there's some safety hazards the way people parked there in the past and neighbors would always be blocked in in their own driveways and things so they added a parking lot and ultimately, they'll probably add, improve some of the trails in that property because there's about 17 acres inland. Mm. And then maybe some benches and a picnic table and garbage cans, but nothing substantial. There has been talk about doing a some sort of ADA accessible boardwalk, not like along the beach, but like at least down to get so someone could go down to the water, mm. uh, which would be a nice aspect to add to it. Sure. But otherwise, you know, the idea of Sister Bay had, Chad Kanako was a, a huge uh, proponent of this for the village of Sister Bay. And He's like, we need to buy this and do nothing. Mm, <laughs> just and just it leave it, it in yeah. its condition. Okay, yeah. cool. All right. We'll take a break here, Deb. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about a much sadder story down in the city of Sturgeon Bay this week. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwanee counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org careers. All right, we're back. Deb, you have had, you know, all your weeks are pretty busy, but this mm-hmm. one is busy. And then, you know, you're covering the kind of story that nobody wants to cover. Yeah. Butch's Bar, kind of a 
you know, I'll call it a dive bar. And mm-hmm. I don't mean that in a bad way. I love a dive bar. I've been around Sturgeon Bay for a long time, a big part of the community, big part of the music community down there. Tuesday morning, we find out it's up in flames. Mm-hmm. Why don't you take me through your morning and kind of reporting on this story and what, I mean, we'll, we'll get back to where things are now, but just take me back to Tuesday morning yeah. and find out about this. Well, I mean, as usual, you find out about things on social media, <laughs> you know, most of the time now. And, you know, that that's kind of the, the thing I really love about this industry and the thing that also takes some adjusting to is that, you know, you have your day planned out. And this is what you're supposed to be doing that day um, because it's right before our deadline. And then suddenly you're completely, that's gone. You know, yeah. you're, you're not doing any of that. So from there, as soon as I found out about it, I went down to Sturgeon Bay, you know, to see what was happening there. And they were still actually, you know, up on a tall ladder, dumping water into the inside of it. It was just really amazing to see this huge shell of a building, you know, that's been such a landmark down there. And it was actually on the National Historic Register. Wow. And the State Register, which I found out only after the fact. The firefighters who were there looked exhausted. This fire, apparently they were dispatched to it at 3.40 in the morning. Hmm. So by the time I arrived down there, it was about 7.30 in the morning and they were just, you know, exhausted like some. And I, you know, I thought to myself, next time I go to an emergency like this, I'm going to stop at McDonald's and I'm going to get big, huge bags of food and I'm going to bring it with me because, you know, they just really look tired. And, you know, I saw somebody coming in with a McDonald's bag and I'm like, oh, that's what we, you know, that's what we should do. That's what they need. Anyway, they were being taken care of. The Sturgeon Bay School District, you know, brought a bus down and, you know, so they're being taken care of. It's like a warming station. Yeah, a warming station. There was coffee, there was food, some businesses opened their doors. So shortly after that, um, I went over to the Sturgeon Bay Police Department and talked with Assistant Police Chief Dan Brinkman, who was handling this, and he said he was going to have a press release, you know, shortly. So it's not something that happens in Sturgeon Bay a lot of time, where suddenly this media from all over the region is in one room together waiting to get some details on what has happened. Because Nobody knows anything. We knew that there were apartments on the top floor. We did not know how many people, you know, had escaped or what happened. So Mm -hmm. we're kind of just waiting, you know, playing that waiting game and then trying to talk to anybody that, you know, you see down around there, talk to the firefighters, but they're not really the official sources for that. So, so Dan, um, assistant fire chief, Dan Brinkman, let us know that, you know, there were two people who were still unaccounted for. And because the building was so unsafe, I mean, the only things that were remaining were the walls. Yeah, They couldn't really do a full bore search on the inside of it. So they did find and recover one person by the end of Tuesday. And then just yesterday, late afternoon, they recovered the second body. Mm. So there are two people who have perished in this fire. And then today, we just found out about an hour and a half ago, a person has now been arrested for two charges of reckless homicide and seven charges because there were seven people who made it out of the building. One of those people had been sent to a burn unit. So seven counts of reckless endangerment. 
So that bond hearing is this afternoon, which is Friday. So uh, basically, as soon as we wrap up here, you're heading down. As soon as we wrap up here, I'm going to head down to that and see what is going on there. So and then they had started to demolish the walls because it was so unsafe that they couldn't search at all. Mm. And so after they recovered the second person, they are demolishing the building completely. What was the the sense you were getting as you were talking to people around the scene, people who live down there and watch this transpire? Because the videos I saw from early in the morning, uh, that was just a tremendously large fire that had to be pretty scary to be living in that area and, and just wondering if it was going to spread. Right. And apparently, and we, you know, we don't know the exact cause of it yet, but I guess we're, you know, getting close to that. But it was an inferno that just went up really suddenly. By the time the firefighters had arrived on the scene after being dispatched at 3.40, it was completely and fully engulfed. And that hmm. came from Aaron LeClaire, who is the director of emergency services. Okay. Um, so it was completely engulfed, and the roof and the second floor had caved in not long after they arrived on the scene. Hmm. Now, it was a cold night, really frigid cold night, and yeah. the wind... I don't know if you remember the wind that, you know, that day and overnight, it was really, really, really blasting. So, you know, there were high winds, it's very cold, the fire is already burning. And I, you know, I did manage to speak with a couple of people who live in that area. And they woke up, smelled smoke, saw huge embers that were, you know, flying toward their houses. And one person, Kathy Greer, who lives down the end of the other block, she decided to gather her pets up and, you know, get in her car and go wait at the Healthy Way parking lot, hmm. helping, you know, at, a, at some point later on to knock on doors to notify people of what happened. I talked to another person who lived across the street from the fire who can see it kind of catty corner and just basically from his window watched this fire, you know, just completely consume the building and it was, you know, done in probably a couple of hours. So I'm sure that the building itself went far, you know, far sooner than that, but they remained putting out hot spots and with that wind being, you know, so high, the danger for the surrounding structures was really incredible. And it's, you know, to their credit, they completely contained that. I yeah. mean, you saw some vehicles around it that had been burned, but I mean, they really contained that fire. The only thing I can compare it to is when, when shipwreck burned, but that was, that was more of a slow roll oh, <laughs> back, back okay. in 2017. And that just kind of kept going all day. I mean, this thing for it to be, to go to sleep on third Avenue in the evening and then to wake up and see this kind of landmark building mm -hmm. um, just gone. And, you know, Butch's Bar, for those who don't know, I mean, that's a place where over the last few years has become a, a hub for musicians, for, I think, like poetry readings there. Yeah, yes. They, it's a big part of the Steelbridge Song Fest. So what you saw the last few days is kind of this outpouring of memories of people and, and the, the moments they've had in that space and the things that they've lost, and not to mention, you know, the, the lives and the and the business and somebody's livelihood. Right. They have not actually identified the people who have been recovered from the fire yet. Mm. They'll do that after, you know, after they complete their investigation. You know, the, the bodies were taken to uh, Dane County. So mm. in Madison, there is, and speaking of, you know, the open mics and the music and the people who used to go there, you know, 
on the artistic fringes of things as well. There is going to be a fundraiser that they're all mm. putting together. We'll have more details on that coming up in next week's paper. I believe that they've set a date for March 16. So they'll be having a fundraiser for, you know, the victims of the fire who were displaced from those rooms. Sure. And apparently, you know, for the owner as well. But we'll have more details on that. I think the thing that surprised me the most, I, mean, I guess I assumed that there were apartments upstairs, I but I didn't realize that there would be that many. I know. That there could be 9, 10, 11 people sleeping up there. Or 20 if they were fully, there are 20 really? rooms up there. Wow. And apparently, and I, you know, I, I don't know, I have not confirmed this myself, but a person who had been on that second floor said there were 10 rooms on one side and 10 rooms on the other side and one bathroom. <laughs> so I was thinking, how does that happen? You know, in right. today's, it just seemed kind of odd to me, but I don't know what the code is surrounding those rooms. Sure. But it just kind of raised some flags for me, like that many people, you know, one bathroom living in, you know, square footage that surely there has to be some zoning for that. Yeah. But when I was talking with uh, the city and got some details on the building itself, you know, there there hasn't been a lot done to it over the years. I mean, it pretty much started and ended, you know, the same. Hmm. And it was built in 1919. Wow. So it, you know, old building on the, on the registers. And it was, I think it got a new boiler and uh, a new roof timber put into it over the years. And that's about <laughs> it. That's so, about it. Right. And, you know, just a, a tough week. Really hard week in Sturgeon Bay. You know, you have that loss. You have longtime basketball coach Jim Benish, who oh, has been a basketball right. coach down there for 32 years. He passed away the previous Saturday. You know, there's a, a little bit of a cloud there now. And, you know, you don't, these things just don't go away. Now you have that empty spot mm -hmm. on that corner that's going to lead to, all, you know, months of speculation of what happens next and what happens with this arrest. And Right. And I don't know how you feel about this, Miles, but this is always, I think, the most incredibly difficult part of, you know, the job that we do, because we are recording, you know, for a community, like those things, those peoples, those places, you know, those things that touch people's lives and how they touch them, you know, and once they're gone, that's when you have to figure out how do you best portray this thing and its impact or person and the impact that it had on its community. Right. You know, it's a really, really difficult but necessary thing to do. And like so many things, like you don't, you don't often realize how many people are connected to a place until it's gone. And mm -hmm. I, I think that hit me. You know, I, I've known Butch's for a while and I know it's been uh, part of these open jam sessions and things like that. But seeing how much outpouring there was in the days that followed, you're like, oh man, this had a bigger role in a lot of people's lives than mm -hmm. even I knew. Sure. And we find that out a lot. Right. Well, you've got to run down. I do. To the court. And uh, we'll wrap this up here. And I'm sure we'll be having a lot more about butchers and all the fallout from this in the, the weeks and months to come. Yes. Thanks for all your work on the story. It's yeah. kind of the least favorite thing to cover. Yeah, right. Okay, well, thanks for having me, Miles. That will do it for this week's Door County Pulse podcast. We'll look forward to talking to you again next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.